Let's welcome Brandon up to preach to us this morning. Lord, we bless Brandon. We thank you for the word that you've given him, um, but mainly thanks that you love us enough to share something through your word this morning. So we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. I'm so excited to be with you guys. This is fun. Raise your hand if you got to be a part of any Kingdom Conference stuff this week. Oh, this is most of the church. That's awesome. Hey, if you didn't, the great thing is the Kingdom Conference goes on. It's called following Jesus. He, he's, he's got a kingdom that is expanding and is moving forward with great force. And we, cannot, we can jump into it anytime we want to. All right? So the Kingdom Conference does not stop this weekend. My iPad is magnetic, and it's sticking to the stand. That's kind of fun. We'll leave it there then. Um, I was with... Uh, I was with... Um, sorry, the clock is at negative 16 right now. <laughs> if we could set that, that'll help me, that'll help me know how to go. <laughs> but, um, so I was, we were in Detroit last week and just going off what Andrew was saying, we were in Detroit last week and, uh, we had done some different ministry stuff. We had done prayer training. We'd done some worship stuff for their world mandate conference, which is just a conference about going to the nations and sharing the gospel. And I was kind of tired, and we had uh, we had been uh, doing a lot of different things. It was kind of exhausting. Detroit was cold, and it was our last day. We were about to go. We were about to leave for the airport. And it was Jimmy. We were at Jimmy John's eating some lunch, and I was like, you know, my energy is kind of low. I don't know if I want to talk to people right now. But they took us out to lunch. I was like, okay, you kind of feel obligated to talk a little bit. I was like, you know what? You know what's going to be fun? I'm going to talk with these four-year-olds. We're going to hang out. So I was hanging out with these four-year-old, these two four-year-old girls, and they had a little Jesus doll. And so we were, like, hanging out with Jesus, and it was great. And so we're, we're just hanging out, and, uh, and I'm like, well, what did you all learn in, in Sunday school today? And they are telling me, like, well, well, Paul, like, almost died multiple times, and he kept going. I was like, wow, that's a... Wow, <laughs> y'all learning that in Sunday school. I'm like, I guess like get knocked down and recess and keep, get back up. Like, what are the applications here? But I go, I go okay, and I, I like doing this sometime with kids because like God loves kids and he likes to speak to them, so speak through them. So I go, okay, if you were to give Brandon advice right now, like ask Jesus to give Brandon advice and, uh, and just tell me, what, tell me what you think he's saying. Well, and, and this little girl goes, well, and like Jesus doll, imagine Jesus doll right here in her booth. It's great. She's like, well... You know, Paul, Paul got up and, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, never, ever, ever stop. And I go, so you're telling me to never, ever, ever stop. And she's like, yeah. I go, can you pray for me? And the the other little girl goes, I'll pray for you. And she goes, Jesus I pray that Brandon would never, ever, ever stop. I go, yes, God, this is awesome. So that's my prayer for you guys today. And I, I, I just impart that prayer from that little girl that you would never, ever, ever stop. And, and it, man, I find that most of the Christian life is just not quitting. That's like most of the Christian life. And, and I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to keep running after Jesus. So just, just echoing off of what Andrew said, I mean, like, the hallmark of, hallmark of life is that we didn't stop. Like, that is the mark of a believer. I was actually in a, a prayer 
ministry session yesterday, God wrecked my heart, and I felt the Lord say to me, Brandon, when you come to heaven, I want to tell you, well done, good and faithful servant, not perfect, good and faithful servant. Well done. You didn't stop. You kept going. God's after our keep going. <laughs> He's after our not stopping. That's not the message. That's just a little bonus. But I did, I did want to say I'm just so thankful to be here with you guys. I, I want to honor a few people real quick. Uh, number one, I, I love that Nick Bernard's here. Y'all may have not been able to hear from him as much, but Andrew, uh, Nick has been praying for Andrew and I for a long time. I won't take his rewards, but, uh, but Nick has been a faithful prayer warrior for us, and a lot of the fruit that y'all are receiving this weekend is from him praying for us. And so I just want to honor Nick, and I just want you to know that uh, history belongs to the intercessors. History belongs to the intercessors, and if you're wondering, if am I an intercessor? Am I called to that? The answer is yes. In the Bible, there's no gift of intercession, because we're all called to be intercessors. You're all called to be prayer people, and you can shift history. You can shift the world through your prayers in the secret place by yourself. Uh, many people think that Andrew's leading the church. You can lead the church from the secret place. <laughs> you, you can actually you can get the word of the Lord for this community and speak it to the Lord, not your opinions, but the word of the Lord, and and. God will use you to even shift things in this community and in this city and in this nation and across the globe. And Andrew prays too, so beat him at that. <laughs> but, but God wants to use you to shift many things through prayer. I, I want to honor Andrew and Heather again just for their faithful work. I mean, guys, they're shepherding you. They're shepherding. As it says in, uh, it, it says in, the, in the Bible, it says, it, says, it says to submit to your leaders for they watch over your souls. Not because it's like the spiritual thing to do and it's the right thing to do, but, but these, these guys are like, they're dying for you. The Bible said, Paul said, death is at work in me, so life may be at work in you. Death is at work in them. And if you think it's an easy job being a leader of people, it's, it's not. It, and some of y'all know that already. <laughs> but, but I just want to honor them. Like they, They've set up good pasture for you as sheep of the flock to eat from the Lord, to, to feast on the Lord. So I just want to honor them again. Just thank you for setting up this. Um, and the last thing, this is really funny, but I, I just felt to honor Karis. I, I just really, um, I see the anointing of God on your life and you and Bill. And I did, I, while you're up here worshiping, I felt the Lord saying, it's your hunger that's making a way for this community. And I see you in the secret place specifically longing for more of God and him saying, like, I'm honoring your prayers. There's many prayers in here, but I feel the Lord specifically honoring that hunger. I see like an open gap in your stomach, and I feel the Lord just saying, as you've made space for me personally, I'm making space for you corporately. And uh, I just want us to stretch our hands towards Karis right now. And and Chad, I just, I feel something on your family. And Lord, we just, we bless the hunger in this family in Jesus' name. Lord, we receive them, God. We receive them, Jesus. And we receive what you're doing in their hearts. Lord, we honor the hunger, the way they've laid their lives down, the way they've thought, fought through great highs and lows, Lord. And we bless their hunger. And we say as a community, Lord, we honor that. And we want more of that, Jesus. We thank you for the way you're moving in them and the way you're moving in us because of their hunger, Lord. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Is that cool? Just a little ministry on the front end? We're good? We may flow in and out of different things, but um, really, I, I just, I want to share with you guys something that uh, I feel the Lord put on my heart for you guys. Many times as we come to the end of the year, I start thinking, okay, God, what are you speaking for the next year, for me, for other people, for, for the body of Christ, for just our community? And, and last night, I was just here on the floor, and uh, I, it's a great place to be. I call it FaceTime. I try to get FaceTime with God, Lord. Here I am. <laughs> One of my favorite prayers these days is, here I am, have your way. I pray it a lot, and then I lay there on my face for a long time. Uh, but while I was, while I was there, um, just I felt like God reminded me of, of, of this passage that we've been talking about kind of amongst our friends, but also God's been doing it fresh in me out of Luke 7. And I just want to kind of submit this to you guys as, a, as Antioch in Indianapolis, as, as maybe just a, a, a word from the Lord to think about as you go into this next year. I'm not saying this is the word of the Lord. I'm just submitting this as like, hey, maybe here's a portion of what God wants to do in you guys in this next year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Luke 7, and we're just going to kind of talk through it together. I don't have something super special or super polished, but I just want the word of God to speak for itself. And and if you're writing down any notes, the title for this sermon, this word, is, is Faith, Forerunners, and First Love. If you need spelling, forerunners is F-O-R-E-R-U-N-N-E-R-S. I know it's kind of a new word we'll talk about in a second. But faith, forerunners, and first love. I'm going to pray just a moment longer, and then we're going to read the Bible. And it's going to be good. Lord Jesus, we welcome you again. Lord, you're already here. We just love you being here. We love your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit, as we read your word, would you highlight yourself? Jesus, I know preachers pray this a lot, but really, like, move me out of the way, Lord. I, I want you to be remembered. But people remember your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak those, uh, those seeds of faith into people's hearts. Make those deposits this morning, Jesus. I see the Lord walking around the room, just this picture of Jesus walking around the room and planting seeds. He's just depositing seeds this morning. And that means he has one for you. He has one for you if you're willing to receive it today. And so, Holy Spirit, would you highlight your word? Would you point us to Jesus? And would you deposit those seeds of faith like you do best? We depend on you. I really depend on you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if your Bibles are open to Luke 7, we're actually going to stand up together and we're going to read the Word of God. We're going to hallow the Word of God, which means we're going we're to believe that this is powerful. Now, we're going to read a whole chapter, okay? So get ready to get comfortable. So if you need to, like, stretch your legs for a second. But we're going to read this whole chapter together, and then we're going to talk through it. Sound good? All right. Here we go. I'll read it. You follow along. Luke chapter 7. After he had finished saying all these things in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. Which, wow, what a statement. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us, built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with, him, with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, 
Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to, returned to the house, they found the servant well. Praise God. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and, it, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And, he, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the, the bier, and the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, which that's a good response to healing sometimes, or resurrection. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when, and when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and, and evil spirits. I love that. In that hour, while they're asking these questions, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, the poor receive good news, preach to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone out, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is him of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the prayer your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What an amazing statement. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. God has judged rightly. The least in the kingdom will be the greatest. Having been baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the, the purpose of God for themselves and not having been baptized by him. Wow. These are fascinating statements. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling one to another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come not come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking. You say look at him a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Wow, what a statement. Last phase, we're almost done. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she, when she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, 
And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with with hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would would have known who who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them do you, will, will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped with her hair, wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the, man, the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we honor what you said. This is your book, and we love your words. Speak to us now through them. Amen. You can take a seat. Thanks for standing that whole time. Don't you just love the Bible? Sometimes we read it, and it's just like, it just starts washing over you. You feel like you're getting fed. It's like, this is way more powerful than anything I'm about to say, and God can give you more revelation than anything I'm about to share with you. But there's three things I, I feel God initiating with us in this season, and, I, and we find them in these passages. The first one is faith. We see this in the, in the experience with the centurion who wants a servant to be healed. Now, in this time, the, the centurion, again, the, there's the Jews and there's the Romans, and they were not having it. They were not having a good time. And the Jews are the ones who were supposed to be following Jesus. The Jews were kind of who Jesus came for. He said, I have come to the lost sheep of Israel. But there's these people called the Romans who, who, who are kind of, oppre- they're not kind of, they're very much oppressing the Jews, and they're hurting them. But this Roman centurion had a servant, He had a, and it actually was a slave who... Somehow he had compassion on this slave. He had compassion for the Jews. And the interesting thing about the Jews is that they had been experiencing Jesus' ministry in some incredible ways. They'd seen him heal. They'd seen him give great messages. They, he, he spoke with authority. And, and, and they had experienced Jesus show up in rooms and people get healed. I love, that it, I love that it says sometimes in the Bible that everyone who was sick got healed when Jesus came around. So Jesus came close and he was in the room and people got healed. But the centurion, who is technically not a part of the chosen people, comes in and busts the ceiling of faith that the Jews had had. What the Jews understood was that, okay, if Jesus is in the room, people can get healed. But this centurion had heard about Jesus and he had heard not just that he was a prophet, Not just that he was a cool guy and that he could heal some people, but that he was a king. Somehow he had authority. And he had a revelation of authority because he also was a man of authority. And he had this thought, 
that was outside of the faith that the Jews had seen because faith sometimes, sometimes for us, we have a faith ceiling that is based on what we've already heard, what we've already seen, what we thought could be possible. But the centurion comes in and breaks up the norm and he says, Jesus, I don't even need you to come near. You just say the word because I've had a revelation. I've heard that you're a man of authority. I've heard that when you say things, it happens. So you don't even have to come near. And the Bible says that Jesus marveled at his faith. I love that when he heard these things, he marveled at him. And before healing him, he turns to the crowd, his, his Jewish brothers and sisters. He probably turns to disciples and he goes, He's kind of like, where are you at, guys? Where you been? <laughs> but he's like, I've never seen this kind of faith. There's only other one mentioned in Scripture when Jesus is marvels at something. The God of the universe is marveling at this faith. Who created all things, who knows the end from the beginning, goes, what? He marvels at this man's faith. But there's only other one time that Jesus marvels. Do you know what it is? It's at unbelief. It's, I love this scripture earlier in, in Luke and in the other gospels. It says that Jesus could only do a few miracles in his hometown. And he marveled at their unbelief. So there's only two jaw drops of God that we see in the scriptures. And it's unbelief and it's belief. And we as a church community in this season have an option to choose what he's going to marvel at. When he comes to your household, is he going to marvel at your faith? Or is he going to marvel at your unbelief? Unbelief in this time was only a few miracles. Which, hold on, pause. <laughs> Jesus could only do a few miracles. For us, when we show up on a Sunday morning, if, if a couple people get healed, it's like, that's the testimony of the year. We're sharing it all year long, and it's amazing. <laughs> God caused that unbelief. Jesus, when Jesus is in the room, when Jesus is in our midst, when Jesus lives inside of you, when Jesus is in your home, what are you believing for? It's directly connected to our faith. Now, I don't want to create, again, this faith theology that like, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're not after striving. We're also not after idealism where, where okay, God's going to change the world revival tomorrow. And, oh, no, no, this is going to be tomorrow. No, it's gonna be, like, I want to hold on with expectation of what God can do, but I don't want to fall in the camp of idealism. And I don't want to fall in the camp of unbelief. I want to stay on the road of faith. How do we do that? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That's why I fill myself, first of all, with the word of God. Because what he did in here, do you know, the Bible says he actually wants to do greater works. Jesus rose from the dead. That's a pretty big deal. Jesus healed all who were sick when he showed up. And he said, you're going to do greater works. Where is your faith level? And, and the other thing is that I want to fill myself with testimonies. I want to listen to the testimonies of the saints. What's God doing around the world? That keeps my faith up. But even God wants to do more than that because he wants to do more than you can ask or imagine. And I want to encourage you to get your imagination a little bigger because that means God wants to do more than that. What can you imagine? I, I, I love hearing Miss Linda, you're talking about this, 
this garage door flooding open with people. That this was open and people were flooding in, coming to the altars, laying on their faith, laying on their faces. And I love the Brownsville revival. That in 1996, there was a revival in Brownsville, and they said that at at the end of every service, it would be flooded with all these different drugs, all these different cutting materials that people would use, used syringes that people were using to shoot up alcohol, people literally would be weeping and leave all of their idols at the altar night after night after night for three and a half years. This would go on six nights a week, three or four hours a night, God pouring out. What could God do in your community? What could God do in your midst? But also faith comes by hearing when we position ourselves to hear the rhema word of God. And this is why it's so important for us to be people who listen to the Lord. Faith is not just what's the greatest idea you have. It's what is God saying? What is God speaking to you? And I guarantee you, he wants to speak to you something further than you can do in your own strength. The great thing about faith is that you can't accomplish it. You can't imagine it and you can't accomplish it. That's why I I love the scripture that the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. My friend talks about this sometimes that when we're in worship, that, that he sees this picture very often of Jesus leaping around the room with a pen. And he says, in, in a corporate setting, he's jumping around the room with a pen. And I'll do it right now. And he goes, they're here for me. They've come here for me. And as we open our hearts in faith, Jesus is leaping around the room. They've come for me. And they open up their hearts through thanksgiving and praise. And he's got this pen dripping with ink. And he's saying, oh, I'm just looking for an open heart just to land and write something on their heart. To author faith. When you position your heart before God and word, worship, and prayer, he has the opportunity to deposit ideas, thoughts, imaginations, and wonderful God messages that you can never accomplish. Will you be a community that positions your heart to receive the pen of God coming in your midst? And you got to let go of control. That's like... We enter with Thanksgiving. We talked about this. Thanksgiving word spinner session. We enter with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving opens the gates of your hearts to begin letting the pen of God touch your heart. And he wants to author faith around one main thing, and it's around who he is. The faith that this centurion got was not that, I bet God could do this. It's, he's a king. And that faith made him believe he could do more than they had seen. All right. The other thing, last thing I'll say about faith is faith. I love what John Wimber said, the leader of the Vineyard Movement back in the day. He said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith works. As in, when when there's a deposit of faith, it's going to lead to action. And it's going to lead to believing him unto the end that he's going to do what he said. And I just want to encourage you, there's places in my life that God has spoken things that I still haven't seen happen. And that can be discouraging sometimes. But my faith ultimately wasn't in an outcome. It was in a person. That's why it's the revelation of Jesus that needs to be the faith step. All right? So we're going to position ourselves for higher faith. And I want to encourage you as a community in Antioch, Indianapolis, to break the ceiling of faith of what you all have seen before. There is a glass ceiling, and it's what we've seen, it's what we've heard, it's what we've experienced. Let's break that today. God, what do you want to do? 
And that's not just for this church. That's for your family. That's for your own life. That's for your, your schools. That's for your job. What does God want to do? All right? We see that in the centurion, and it leads to us seeing that next story of a resurrection. So now faith is like going viral, and God then raises a kid from the dead. I won't jump into that story a bunch just for the sake of time, but a new ceiling of faith has been broken now in this community, and they know that, okay, Jesus, Jesus, he can just say the word, and things shift. This is crazy. But then we jump into this interesting story of John the Baptist, where John the Baptist uh, was Jesus' cousin, and uh, great guy. They probably had some good times. Uh, but he was Jesus' cousin, and his main calling was to prepare the way for Jesus to do his ministry. And John, he went into the wilderness, and he ate wild, he ate wild locusts and honey and looked kind of like, like a crazy dude and had some guys that followed him. But he was a really interesting cat. But his main job was out of Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says, A voice cries, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That was his main job, was to prepare the way for the Lord. And this is where we get the phrase forerunner. What a forerunner is, it's someone who goes before and prepares the way for another. All right? So it's someone who goes before, prepares the way for another. It's not, it's not an easy job. Because usually when you go into the wilderness, that means there's a lot of stuff to cut up to prepare a way for something. It's not an easy job. But it's a job that requires faith that we saw beforehand. It's a job that requires having seen the Lord and having seen what he wants to do and stepping forward into it to make space for it. But John was a forerunner, and he, he had prepared his whole life to step into ministry. He starts getting this, there's a, there's a repentance movement going on. People are getting baptized, and John is baptizing them, and he's got disciples, and it's going on. And then all of a sudden, he sees Jesus, and he goes, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He must increase. I must decrease. His ministry starts fading. He gives his disciples away to Jesus. A few stay with him. But think about this. If you had spent your whole life preparing for a move of God and you didn't get to play in it. Think if you spent your whole life believing for something and you don't get to see it happen. But it's happening, but without you. John ultimately goes into prison. And he's about to, he's about to die. And, and John, near the end of the, his life, I mean, th this was... Jesus said he was the greatest person born of women. Like, the greatest person on the planet is now questioning if this is all real. When you live a life of faith it's, and you're living on the edge and you're a forerunner, it's easy to get into disillusionment. But it's such an interesting antidote for disillusionment that Jesus gives him. He says, his disciples come and he's like, and he said, the disciples asked him the question, like, are you the Messiah or are we to look for another? And, uh, and Jesus says, he does all these miracles in front of them. He's like, hey, tell them what you see. Blind see, poor receiving good news, lame are walking. And he ends it with this. He says, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. You see, John was actually born of a Levite father, when the Levites actually didn't have any inheritance on earth because the Lord was their portion. The answer to disillusionment is actually the Lord being your portion 
and it's letting go of offense. Offense is going to trip us up from going to the next stage that God wants us to individually as a church community. And if we don't let go of offense, then we won't be able to step into all that God has for us. God is after a forerunner community who won't be offended at him. Won't be offended at what he's doing. The interesting thing about this, Isaiah 61, Jesus is almost quoting verbatim Isaiah 61 where it says, the Lord has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to, to, to heal the sick, to open the eyes of a blind. And right where it's supposed to say the opening of prison doors for the captives, he replaces it with a different phrase. John was in prison. He was supposed to say the next step, the opening of prison doors. So I'm coming after you, John. He didn't say that. He said, all this is happening and blessed are those who are not offended in me. Because God is his portion. The psalmist said, my heart and flesh may fail me, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The inheritance that is beautiful is not just being content with what he gives you. It's him. He is your beautiful inheritance. We are a prophetic people on the earth. We are an apostolic people on the earth that are not called to live in the norm. And if you are going to live this life, you have to let go of all inheritance. We have no inheritance but the Lord. It's the faith deposited by the Lord that gives us, in the, that gives us the beginning of this journey. And it's the hope that he deposits, deposits in us along the journey of faith that causes us to look at him as our only hope, to look at him as our only portion. So we've got faith, that he wants to bust the ceiling of faith. He wants to call us to be forerunners. What does it mean to pioneer in your life? What does it mean to pioneer in your community? What does it mean to look different and to prepare the way, not, for, not just for people, but for the Lord to come in? How are you preparing the way through prayer, through fasting, through radical holiness, living, looking like God? God wants this church to be a different people. He wants you to look different. He wants you to look wild to people. You're going to look different and it's good. And then you're going to see God start moving. And sometimes, for some of you, he may ask you to move out of the way. Hebrews 11, this is an interesting faith passage, the hall of faith, that some people call it. But it says that some of these, it's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, all, and, and, and Moses, and Noah. I let you study it on your own, but it's speaking about faith. It says, some of these died not having seen the promise that they gave their life for. Are you willing to believe for something that you may never see. That challenges me. I want to see the move of God I'm praying for. The Lord challenged me yesterday. He said, are you after a revival? Or are you after a man? I'm after Jesus. And if I don't see it in my lifetime, I will have gotten the exact portion that I wanted him. I'm signing up to have faith and live for something that I may never see because all I want to see is him. The eyes of our faith are not on an outcome. The eyes of our faith are on a person. God wants us to bust the ceiling of faith and he wants us to pioneer new ground as forerunners. That, like we talked about Heather and Andrew, 
death at work in us so that life may be at work in them. Because in heaven, we're going to receive the reward. The reason we're doing this is not just because there's going to be cool stuff on earth. We're not living for earth. I can't say this enough. We're not living for this reality. There's a different reality that we're living for. And we're going to be rewarded for it in heaven. This life is such a vapor. It's so short. But we're living to store up treasure in heaven. Fall in love with Jesus. Look more like him. Store up treasure in heaven. That's what I'm focusing on these days. The last thing I want to look at is first love. And Cameron could come up on the keys. The only way that this life is sustained of faith-filled forerunners is if we're in the place of first love. What I mean by first love, I mean, I mean being in love with Jesus, him being the first place. I mean, I, I mean, do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first had that season, that honeymoon phase with God? It doesn't have to just be a season. And, and man, my life goes like this. <laughs> Probably by the hour, honestly. <laughs> like, to be honest, it's like, God, I love you. And then the next moment, I'm like, oh, just... <laughs> like, like, and then I go, okay, God, I, I love you. I want you. Oh, but that person. <laughs> okay, Lord, I love you. <laughs> like, this is, this is returning to first love for me. It's like, it's like every minute. So, again, there, there's hope along the journey. Um, but, but we're after being a people who are just extravagantly in love with Jesus no matter what. Some interesting thoughts just on, on this thing. And sorry for the ADD moment, but I just felt to say this in the faith thing that I feel like the Lord, or sorry, in the forerunner thing, I did feel like the Lord said, some of you may have walked with God for a while. And I feel the encouragement from the Lord that even John the Baptist had questions but he was the highest honor. And I feel the Lord saying maybe to some of you today, jump back in the game. Jump back in the game. It's not too late. You can still hear, hear well done. Jump back in the game of being a faithful forerunner. Sorry for the ADD moment. First love. This is a really interesting story because the Pharisees welcomed him. And get, your, get the Pharisee idea out your mind. Usually it's like, oh, the Pharisees, they're bad. It's like, no, this was like a spiritual person who had set up a table for Jesus. It was planned. It was ready. They were doing their thing. Jesus reclined at table. He came. He always come when he's invited. No matter how produced, planned, or perfect, perfected it is, God loves to show up. But there's this juxtaposition of, of how to respond when Jesus comes in this passage. One is this really nice, kempt way. That was the wonderful way that they had done it for years. And it, again, Jesus came and showed up. But then this woman breaks in. This woman who was known as a sinful woman. She breaks through the doors. And, and I can only imagine them at the table and, she comes through the doors and they're like, what's going on? This isn't normal. This isn't what's right. This isn't the way to do things. This, this is not our way. This is not our custom. This is not our religion. And she comes down and, and says it came behind his feet. He's sitting down. And so she comes down behind his feet in, in, in reverence and fear. And it says that she was weeping over his feet. She's breaking the norm of the religion of the day. She's breaking the norm of what meeting with Jesus looks like because she's desperate, because she's been forgiven, because she knows who's in front of her. First Thessalonians talks about the people who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Do you love when he comes in the room? 
She's weeping at his feet, pouring oil on his feet, causing a scene, causing a riot, causing offense by these religious people. And she's pouring out her tears. She's pouring out her oil. She's pouring her whole self out at his feet. And she's kissing his feet. And it says, he, he looks at the Pharisee and says, Hey, since I've come in, you didn't give me oil. You didn't kiss my feet. You didn't cry over me. But since she's walked in, she's done all those things. And I believe in this season, especially after COVID, church is not business as usual anymore. Our lives are not business as usual anymore. And I, and I just want to give you as a community, you as a follower of Jesus by yourself with him, you as a community gathered together to be just extravagant with Jesus. Three things, tears, kisses, and oil she gives him. Tears represents our pain. Kisses represents our affection. And oil represents our treasures, not just our resources, but our hopes and dreams. When you gather together in your life groups, do you gather like these Pharisees who set up a wonderful table for him? And when he's there, it's really nice. Oh, that was a great time. Now again, not every time has to be weeping and wailing. And I'm not, I'm not prescribing a specific expression, but what I'm saying is like, if God is in the room, if Jesus is in the room, who heals the sick, who, 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 who gives sight to the blind, who died for your sins, if he's in the room, how do you act? What do you give him? God is looking for a broken and contrite heart. And I just want to encourage you. It's okay for church to look messy sometimes. It's okay for, I, I, love, I love when we start worship and I see your pastor Andrew gut here and knee on the front and just lay on his face. He's leading the way. What does it look like for you when God walks in the room? When God is showing up, when his people are present and, and we're just, oh God, we just want you. And he shows up. Oh, I'm here, Lord. You're here, Lord. I love you. I love you. I want to give you everything. I want to get on my face. I want to jump. I want to shout. I want to lay down. I want to sit there quietly because you're speaking to me. I, 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 it doesn't matter about the expression. It's just that God's in the room. And to be a people of first love means I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I'm going to break through because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. I'll be the crazy one because it doesn't matter about what people think about me. I want God. And I want to give you permission to run after him, to express your hearts to him personally and corporately like you never have before. If you want to know how to break a spirit of religion in a community, it's to love him lavishly and respond to him foolishly. He uses the foolish things of the world to, say, to, to, to shame the wise. God is looking for a lavishly loving people of faith-filled forerunners who run to first love. Will you stand with me? We've just got a, a second here to close before some of you, at least one of the spouse needs to go get the kiddos. 
but we've got a second to respond here and then we're gonna have Cam continue to play just if, you, if you're able to stay in here. But here's the call, the respond, the response for today. Um, that's God speaking. And what he's speaking is an invitation and he's inviting us in. And as we close, you may, you may have to go get your kids in a second, but you can still respond. A couple of things, faith. If you're here this morning and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to open up my heart, put the pen down and let Jesus pick it up to write his word on my heart, to put faith, to believe what he says over what I want to write, whatever I want to say, whatever I, I, I'm putting down the pen. That's a word we've been talking about all week. Somebody got it in a prayer time earlier this week. They said, we, we see people putting down the pen and Jesus picking it up. And then Brandon went and talked about that. So you might be here this morning and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm putting my pen down and I'm, I'm not just putting it down. I'm letting Jesus pick it up. I'm opening up my heart and I'm saying, Jesus, write your word on me and teach me to have faith. You might be here this morning and realizing I need to give God my keep going. I need, I need to pick up my keep going again. I'm never, ever, ever, ever gonna stop. I'm not gonna be offended. I'm laying down my offense and I'm gonna believe that thing that God wrote on my heart. I'm gonna believe that thing God, that, God, that came out of God's mouth. I will, I'm committing to be a foreigner. I'm gonna hold on to the things of God. You might be here this morning and saying, okay, I, I'm coming back to this first love and I'm committing my life to love Jesus. Not love the table, not love the, it's, it's what we've been talking about, the good religion. It's getting touched by the grace of God like this woman did. To where it's just, I, I will, I'll, I'll love him with my tears. I'll even love him with my pain. I'll love him with my ointment. I'll give him my treasures and I will love him with my kisses. I will be a person, even the men in the room, I have affections, even though you're a man, even with the affections of my life, I will pour out my affection on Jesus. So if that's you, I wanna pray for you on any one of those things. And what the, the common thing that happened in all three of these stories is the person got up off their butt and left where they were and they came to Jesus. There was nothing wrong with where the centurion was. There's nothing special about all of that. There's nothing wrong with the chair you're sitting in right now, but there is something about I'm moving, I'm coming. And so if any of what Brandon's just spoken or any of that call is stirring in you, come to the front.